to Home Gym History, produced by Garage Gym Radio. My name is Rob, and I am happy to have not one, but two guests here from Solid Bar Fitness, Joe and Brad Repke. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Absolutely. So, you know, we have a father and daughter here because this is a family business that's been around for 38 years, and if home gym owners, you're wondering, huh, 38 years? A solid bar fitness. That sounds familiar, but I'm not sure. That's why I wanted to invite them on because when I spoke with both Joe and Brad and some of their other staff at Home Gym Con last spring, I was enthralled with some of your company's history. And I also found it very curious that some of the uh, work that you've done, I guess I'd say, with barbells and things like that might actually be in the home gym space and home gym owners and commercial gym owners, you might be using their products and not even know it. So this will be the story of solid bar fitness. And why don't we just start there? So Joe, Brad, could you just give us like a brief background on your company? Oh, just as I got out of college, uh, I played football in college. And when I got out, I was, you know, I was into the weightlifting and, and doing that. So um, I got into just building weight equipment. And I had a buddy that had a welding shop, just a makeshift thing. And, and uh, so we started building some equipment. We started putting in some weight rooms around uh, Kansas. And, and then, uh, oh, it was probably five years into it, you know, we were handling this bulky equipment and everything. And, and I wasn't, it wasn't get, getting any funner. So uh, <laughs> I uh, met a guy at a show. And he had okay. a bar there I wanted. And uh, I asked him how much he wanted for it. And he told me, and I said, well, that's, that's outrageous. I can build it a lot cheaper than that. And uh, so that's how the bar business got started. He said, well, okay. uh, if you can build them that cheap, then build them for me. And so we got into nice. the bars and bars only. I see. So equipment first, and then that kind of led you into the barbells. Yeah. So then... You're based out of Kansas. Where did you go to college? Baker University. Okay. And then as far as just that desire to build, was it just to, you know, kind of have a, a, a gym equipment that you wanted, that you needed, or was it making a, a couple bucks while you're in college, making it for other people? Well, we didn't have a, a facility. So it was just doing a lot of transporting equipment from here to a paint shop, and, and it just it was not working well. Yeah. So uh, after I got started in making bars and, and mm -hmm. welding them up, because we started welding because we didn't even have a machine shop yet. So we welded all our bars up and uh, sent them off to get them zinced or chromed or whatever. And then we got started into the straight bars. And that's when the machine shop came on and, and we just started building our own. As far as, you know, people in gyms, they might be using your products and not even know it is that I know that, you know, there's a, a confidentiality about the agreement you have with the companies you work with. But, you know, when it comes to that, I was wondering, you know, does it ever, uh, you know, when you make bars that are branded by other companies, do you ever see uh, praise for those bars or anything like that and think, ah, oh, shucks, that's, that's mine. I made that thing. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, <laughs> We go to Ursha and all them and, uh, you know, we go to quite a few shows and, and just walk around and that's what we do. We're, we're trying to set up new dealers and, and sure. 
So well, even yeah. at lots of shows, like what you did, they'll walk past us and be like, oh, we've never heard of you. But yeah. then we'll see them walk to another booth and go lift with our bar. Yeah. <laughs> they just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And I might have, for all I know, I might have lifted with your bars at uh-huh. several booths at Home Gym Con. I don't know. So that's where um, it gets interesting to me because what, when it comes to the development of barbells, let's take it from that angle, because what's interesting to me personally and what really was the start of this show is just strength history. And we've seen in the time of your company, the last 38 years, we've seen a huge rise with home gym ownership and a huge rise with just what people expect out of a barbell. And I think expectations have changed over the years. Now, you know, people demand a lot more. So what do you see as a barbell producer and manufacturer? What do you think of the changes that have occurred? What are some of the most significant changes over the years? Well, in the, in the manufacturing uh, bars, and that, that's what I do within the company is, is work with the steel and, and, uh, and the design. Um, the biggest thing I think that we changed in the barbell industry was putting the snap ring and the spiral ring in the end and getting rid of the shoulder bolt that always came out. Uh, we were the very first ones to do that. And as you can see, every company liked our idea. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something we don't patent anything on our bars. You know, I just kind of took it as a compliment. Like, yeah, hey, we come up with something good. Everybody's using it. That's true. And I mean, that's definitely a way that like whenever I'm looking around on the used market or even new, the second I see a bolt at the end of a barbell, I just think, oh, that's a cheap bar. Like the second I see it, there's only one, uh, I wouldn't say one, but a handful of exceptions. Like Ivanko made a nice bar with a bolt at the end, uh, quite a while ago. So, you know, there are a couple exceptions. I don't want to speak in absolutes, but eh, for the majority of it, whenever someone who follows me on Instagram uh, sends a picture and says, Hey, look at this old barbell. As soon as I see that bolt at the end, I think "Mm, that's, it's fine. You know, you can pick it up if it's cheap and clean it up, but it's nothing special. So then what, where did the snap ring come from? Just another way to hold on the sleeve? Like, how did you, how'd you come upon that? You know, did this with a, uh, had a company in uh, Utah and it, we were just, you know, the shoulder bolts and that stuff was, you couldn't put enough Loctite on them to keep them in there. They, after you drop them, they're eventually going to break loose. Um, so we went to work on that and uh, it was pretty simple, you know, instead of putting a bolt in there, you know, just machine out a little ring mm-hmm. and uh, it, we did a lot of testing on it with that and it, it was almost impossible to get that spring on. Yeah. And we don't necessarily use a snap ring either. We use a mm-hmm. spiral ring. Um, yeah. So Could you speak to that? that? Yeah. Um, so a snap ring bar kind of, it has a lot of components in it. So like you take it out and you have like what, two snap rings in there maybe. And um, a lot of other components. Ours, we probably have three components within our bar. And then you... Um, instead of using those little, what is it? Those plier things. Yeah. Snapping uh, pliers. Yep. We just have to, what do you call it, dad? Well, it's the, a spiral ring. The other thing it does is it doubles up. It's twice the strength of the, as a snap. 
And oh, okay. Too. You're basically putting two spiral rings in there. Yeah. So as it spirals in, you know, you're, you're doubling up instead of one snap ring. Right. Got right. it. Plus it's that. It's a little uh, more pain to take your bar apart when you want to clean it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and we see a lot of people, hey, look at my spiral ring. Yeah. You took it out and tried to clean your bar, but you didn't do one. Yeah. Yeah. In the long run, I, I would guess that, yeah, if you give them a new one, that's that's a low cost for the company. Well, on the manufacturing side of it, I would also guess that uh, the snap ring is a lot easier than a roll pin, banging in a roll pin. And then, um, you know, you get just as much of the security like you're speaking to. Yeah, it, it, it just the whole bar is tighter and, and mm-hmm. we control that tolerance uh, by the depth and the width of that mm-hmm. spiral ring uh, casement. But, gotcha. So. so then, you know, when it came to learning all of this, Brad, how did you, you know, what did you go to college for something in this field or how did you, how'd you learn how to do all this? Just experience, trial and error, make yeah, good friends. Yeah, really it is. It, it is. And, uh, you know, it didn't happen overnight. Uh, you know, we we're making bars doing things and it wasn't right you know it goes down to the knurling well I, I don't like that knurling i don't like the way it looks you know so we just try some different things and change it and you get out there in the industry and go to these trade shows that are for machine shops and you can talk to a lot of guys that do know this stuff mm. and they will show you the path you know of uh, what kind of tools you need to clean things up gotcha and speaking of knurling that's another thing that I've seen come a long way. Like I have some vintage barbells, some older barbells, Yorks, and some of the couple of Texas power bars and things that uh, even what was considered aggressive knurling 30, 40 years ago is maybe average at best by today's standards. So, you know, was it just uh, going to trade shows, keeping up with it? Or did you just like certain patterns? Is there something about uh, the way you like to narrow your bars that you kind of fell into? We, we did a, you know, you do a lot of listening to your dealers out there. And because when you're selling direct to dealers, you're not hearing the feedback from the high schools and the colleges, and places like that. So, but they're giving us the feedback. Hey, this thing was pretty aggressive and it's turned my high school kids hands. Up. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, all right. So we developed another bar. We got Kansas Power Bar is the same thing as the Iron Cowboy. Them, them bars, there's no difference other than the knurling. One's for high school, one's for college. Gotcha. Home, home gym. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, your preference. Because people have different preferences, too. Yeah. You know. Our steel has changed so much mm-hmm. uh, in the heat treatments and things over 30-some years. And so when you're knurling, it, it makes it a difficult task to get that knurling right because uh, that steel is so hard you, you really go well, through the knurls and when it comes to the steel you know just the price of steel from the outside looking in has gone berserk the past couple yeah. of years has really gone up um you know how has that affected your company have you just had to raise prices or did you have to diff- get different sourcing or what you know how did you deal with that well, through the pandemic, we were, I don't know, we bring in a couple semi loads a month of, uh, of, of material. In, uh, 
so after that, we we did have an overstock because when the pandemic in the fitness world, when it shut off, it shut off. So we had a supply. So we were able to make some good choices uh, in our buying uh, during that time that helped us out. But yeah, we did have to have a price increase and, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, we... We tried to hold off for as long as we could. Yeah. Eventually we had to. Yeah, the weather, the storm. Yeah. But it makes sense. You're an established company by then. You had bulk order of your supply. That makes sense. So then when it comes to uh, your barbells and going back over the years, there are two bars that had nothing to do with knurling or what we've been talking about in terms of straight powerlifting bars or Olympic bars that I stopped by and I used at your uh, booth at home gym con, the Mars bar. Thank you. Mars bar. Yes. Sorry. The Mars bar. When I stopped by was the first one that I used. I didn't, I was trying, I was blanked on the name. Meanwhile, I had dinner that night sitting next to Zach Mars. So that's what I was going to ask was how did you hook up with Zach Mars? Did he come to you? You know, did you meet him at a certain show and say, Hey, you know, we can make these things because that's one company I feel safe saying the name of since you had the bar sitting there. Yeah, Zach, uh, uh, he's had that bar out for maybe four, five, six years. He's trying to find somebody to manufacture it, and he was not having any luck. I mean, it, trust me, it's a it was a manufacturer's nightmare if you don't have <laughs> the equipment. And we we had to bring in some equipment to do it and, uh, and to make it right. And so after that. Uh, uh, we just teamed up with Zach and, and, uh, we're the only ones that make the Mars bar. So, uh, if you see it out there, it's that's where it came from. from. Yeah. And now we nice. have the Mars bar 2.0. Well, I was going to ask about that because then I tried that as well at mm-hmm. home gym con. So the, the big difference is solid steel versus hollow and the hollow still has a tolerance that most lifters might want. I remember, I don't remember what it was off the top of my head. Um, we were rating couple, it at about 450 pounds. Yeah. So, I mean, most home gym lifters, I would wager that'll get the job done. I mean, mm-hmm. if there's someone out there that's like, Oh, you know, I need more than that. Well, there's a version where you can lift more than that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so then when you say it was, uh, Zach, you know, Mars and the, the production of it was a difficult thing. You had to have the right stuff. What made it so difficult to produce the Mars bar? Was it, it the bend in it? Or? Of that harness. Okay. And we started out, we, we were putting pads on it. And, uh, man, to push them pads over that curve. And, and then we were sewing skirts up. And to get them over was just a was a difficult thing so the way i'd imagine like a safety squat bar that has pads on it you were trying to loop those up and over yeah we make them gotcha that that just goes on straight that's easy yeah yeah Yeah. no problem no but yeah we uh uh we're we're going with we went with a foam pad so Uh it has to be done out of house uh it makes the bar a little more expensive Uh, but uh, uh we've had pretty good success with it we we have some problems out there with uh with that foam pad but uh we can fix it and and we're heading in a different direction now uh we'll get away from that we're gonna come up with a snap-in foam pad 
it's down the road. So yeah, don't wait to buy one. Just yeah, yeah. On that, but uh, yeah, it's just going to be a pad that snaps on there. And, gotcha. And it just looks the same as what it does now. Okay, but it just makes life easier in terms of manufacturing yes. it. Okay, yeah that that makes sense. And it's interesting to hear, you know, how you're kind of tweaking it, I guess I would say, just to refine the process, because it looks like it's here to stay. You know, there's certain certain bars that have come and gone. Uh, Moore's Squat Bar, for example, I have one of his, and then Frank Zane bought it, uh, or I don't, I shouldn't say bought the rights, but attained the patent in some way, um, his own patent maybe for it, but I don't believe it's produced anymore. So there's certain things that have kind of come and gone, but I think it's pretty safe. People love that bar the Mars bar. So it's cool to see that. Now, what about the trap bar, the hex bar, however you'd like to refer to it? You had some interesting background on that because when I said, oh, you know, you've, you've innovated various things, you pointed over to the trap bar and said, oh yeah, right over there. And I said, well, wait a minute. I, every time I talk to someone, they say this other gentleman, Al Gerard invented it. So what's, what's the backstory there? Well, that, that was the very first bar that we made. And the show I was at, Al Gerard was there, and he's the one I tried to buy the bar from. Okay. And so I, he said, uh, like I said, he, I, it's too high. I, I can build this. He said it's patented. I said, I don't care. I, I think I can do something there. And he said, well, if you can build them for that, build them for me. So I started building them for Al Gerard. Aha. Uh -huh. Yeah. So Are these the diamond-shaped ones that I've seen, those yeah, older ones? Yeah, they were diamond. Okay. And uh, and I don't really remember what happened, but uh, they were starting to bring him in from overseas. Okay. And he shut everybody down on that. And uh, uh, the actual first trap bar, I think, came from Sweden. He got his idea because it used to be old. Mm -hmm. And he made a diamond. So we went to our patent attorney and said, hey, what can we do? And so we made a hex. So we were the very first ones to make the hex shape. And Gotcha. Another good idea because they, mm -hmm. the industry followed. Yeah, and, yeah. Everybody makes the hex shape. Yeah, the diamond. You can get bigger athletes in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bigger athletes. Yeah, yeah. So well, yeah, we have that in the mega hex for college, big high schools. We have a combat ready bar too. Okay. That's a big one, and that one's rackable. Oh, okay. That's the big difference with that the one. ACFT bar. Yeah. Interesting. So there's a regular hex. The mega hex is a, is a larger one. And then you've got the combat ready one that you can rack. Mm -hmm. Very nice. And that's interesting about uh, the switch to the hex shape. Um, because that's whenever I'm looking online, and I'm looking at the used market for older bars, it's easy to pick out the old trap bars because they're diamond shaped. I mean, it's like a dead giveaway. Like, oh, there's an old one because no one makes them like that anymore. Everyone shifted, like you said, to the hex. And that's where it came from was solid bar. I, listeners, I told you that this company is in your gym in one way, shape or form. Yeah. yeah Whether it's the snap rings or the, the hex trap bar. Very cool. Yeah. So then when it comes to the the growth of the company, you know what has been one of the biggest challenges over the years that you faced. You mentioned how you were ever you were able to weather the storm with uh, the COVID shutdown and 
things of that nature because you already had some supply on stock and were able to make good choices. But even before that, before 2020, any challenges that really hit the company or hit you guys that you had to overcome? Well, there's, there's always a growing curve, you know, in, in any business. And uh, I think uh, we've had, it, it seems like there's been a pandemic of some sort, not of what we just had, but it comes along about every four, four to five years. And that's something, maybe not that caliber, but uh, in 2008, you know, was uh, uh, called the recession. And yeah, the housing crisis, busy. all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I was really nervous about what was going to go on. And, and we got really busy because people weren't going to the gyms and uh. they're not going to quit lifting weights. And so they uh, uh, started buying, fixing their home gyms up. But the home gym stuff has never stopped. There, There's there's people that just buying that and they're adding on. And yes, the Mars bar is expensive, but that's the next thing on their Christmas list, you know, and, yeah. and so it's on my list. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've been dreaming about it since home gym con, but, uh, the problem is I'm in love with all the old weights. So, you know, I, I have these newer things I want to buy and then I see something, some old weight that's for sale. And I'm like, Oh, I, I, I can't pass it by. So I, I keep on dodging the new stuff, but it's okay. I got plenty of new stuff and I, I will have a Mars bar, uh, sooner or later, because I think Zach Mars is just a cool guy too. I like his yeah, story. Yeah, awesome. He'll be, he'll be there next year. Yeah. Yeah. And, I like talking with him and I loved, he was on garage gym experiment podcast, which yeah. is also on the garage gym radio network. And he told the whole story of the Mars bar and I thought it was a really cool story. So it's kind of cool to piece together, you know, the, the other pieces of it with, you know, solid bar fitness. So then you made the shift to barbells, just ease of handling them. You liked making them and then moving forward from that, because you're making the, the hex trap bar. What was the learning curve like to then make, you know, Olympic bars and make, um, you know, different styles of bars moving on from that. Well, getting that getting the right material in mm. there. So, okay. you know, we, we got the flex down, you know, you can't use this bar material for this bar and, and uh, things like that. So there was, there was a lot of testing going on back in the day. Uh, and, and steel has changed. I mean, from what we used to buy 20 years ago, I mean, we're buying different stuff now. Uh, it, it, we used to build the neural that stuff pretty easily. You know, it, it didn't wear after neurals because it, it was a little softer and the heat treatment wasn't there, but that's not the case anymore. It's, uh, hmm. uh, you know, you got to have the right, uh, you know, everybody talks about PSI. Hey, what's your PSI? <laughs> yeah. Why don't you ask me about the yield strength? Because if your PSI and your yield strength aren't right, you might have a dangerous bar. So I know they come from overseas and they got advertised 225,000 PSI. If I had 225,000 PSI deal, I couldn't knurl it. It would be a smooth bar when it come out of that machine. So, um, interesting. And, and that, that's why I say, I, I say ours is 185,000 PSI, mm -hmm. uh, but that's the low side of the material. So it could be 190. That makes sense. As far as the knurling, I, you know, 
I never really wrapped my mind around it that way. But yeah, the harder the the harder to steal, it's going to be tougher to narrow it and or near impossible, like you said. So that makes a lot of sense. Now, when it comes to other companies and competition and things like that, plus you have companies that are almost solely importing manufacturing overseas versus companies that are here in the United States and manufacturing here in the United States. What's uh, been your relationship like with other companies? I know some companies, like you said, buy your product and you know brand it for their own, but there's got to be other companies too that are competitive with you in terms of manufacturing barbells. Mm-hmm. So what's that been like over the years in terms of the ups and downs of competition? Biggest competition. I mean, definitely our biggest competition out there is China. Um, and because we have a lot of dealers that they do both, they go to us and they go to China. Um, but one thing we try to always do, I guess, is we try to always stay loyal to the dealers that have always stayed loyal to us through all of the, you know, the pandemic and everything like that. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing about the pandemic. I think it got everybody in the mood for USA products. And we did see a big shift huh? when that happened. And they're right now we got to watch, you know, I'm not talking politics, but you know, China does this to us. We ride that roller coaster and their economy is not real good. Containers are hard to get. These are good things for us. So, uh, we're, we're taking a little ride right now. Yeah. It's interesting with the ups and downs of political relations or things like that and how that trickles down and affects a family business like your own. And that aspect of your business, I love. I, I love a family business. And that's in addition to you know manufacturing here in the United States, right up front in your you know advertisements, your brochures are right there at the booth when I speak when I spoke with you at home Gym Con. It it was clearly something that you put right out there. It's a family business. So Joe, you know, what was your kind of uh induction into the business as you were growing up when did things turn from like playing around at dad's work to working with dad yeah and so my mom also works here too oh so um, the whole family's there (laughs) yes my mom and dad are the owners and they run the company and i remember being you know five years old and being like what can i do and mom and dad would say go count the bars (laughs) and and so i'd do that and then it kind of turned like 10 years old i would come with my mom and dad to the shop and everything and I was just like, one day I'm going to take over solid bar. This is my dream. And they kept asking me all throughout high school, are you yeah. still wanting to do solid bar? And I was like, yes, I am. I went to college, was going into business, came back from college. And that's when I started um, solid bar. And then that's when kind of the rest of the family kind of, they were not the rest of the family, but you know, my, my two cousins work here too. And they were really interested in it. Hmm. And that's kind of what they wanted to do as well. And um it's really great working with family, really challenging, yeah. but really great. <laughs> um, but yeah, this has kind of always been the end goal for me. So, Except for vacation time. Yeah. We, get that. we take family vacation still, so yeah. it gets pretty bare around here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I imagine it's, uh, you know, you got to got to shut the doors if uh, the whole family's leaving because there goes yeah. the workers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... In terms of that dynamic of working together, you got mom and dad and your cousins there. I don't know. Do you have any brothers or sisters? 
I, yes, but they don't work in okay. the country. They're so then, yeah. yeah, they're farmers and ranchers. So, gotcha. So they have a whole different, whole different line of employment going on. Well, for you, you know, is it is it ever challenging? Uh, coming to work with mom and dad or, you know, or have you found, I guess I'd phrase it, how long did it take to kind of find a good rhythm once you got out of college and you're there full time? Um, I'd say probably a good rhythm, probably three years, which I started working here three years ago. Yeah. And, so you're hitting um, your stride. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess it was a little difficult because I was a college athlete too. And my dad was always right there with me. And so it was, went from going home after practice to strictly talking about basketball to now it's always talking about business. Um, that was, it's, we, at first, you know, you have a kind of a hard time separating your home life from your work life and everything would just get combined and Eventually, yeah. I had to be like, this is my mom and dad, but it's my boss at work. And, you know, not to get, don't want to get too mouthy to your. Yeah, exactly. Slash boss. <laughs> you're going to get, you know, you're going to get some uh, feedback on both ends. Feedback from the mm-hmm. boss, feedback from the dad. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I could imagine. Now, from your perspective, dad. You've got a young college graduate coming in. That's your daughter. And it probably, you know, warms your heart. Like, oh man, she's coming into the business. It's great. But on the other hand, you know, is there anything that was a newer business idea that she kind of presented that you thought, huh, okay, well, that's new. You know, did did she bring any uh, newer business ideas to the business that, you know, either surprised you or were a welcome surprise? It, it's kind of funny because uh, they're probably going to hear this for the first time, but we had to bring them in. You know, we were calling on the phones and nobody answers their phones anymore. I think we do. You call us, we'll answer. Somebody will answer 24-7. I don't care. But we needed somebody on a computer that can get to talking to these people. And since we brought Levi and Joe came on, uh, our dealer base is just kind of went crazy. So... Uh, so that was one thing that they brought to the table that, you know, cause I'm not, I'm not going to play Texan and <laughs> yeah, so, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm a phone guy. So I, I don't even get any calls. So I don't even know why. <laughs> yeah. and that's also one thing that they taught, you know, me and Levi too, is, um, don't just email, get on the phone and call. So that's one thing that we're always answering our phone 24 seven. And we like to talk to our dealers direct and yeah. we like to, um, we get on the road and we go see our dealers, set up a meeting, just make sure they're doing okay. And if we can help them out with anything else. So, I mean, it sounds like it kind of, it goes both ways, the influence of things, you know, mm-hmm. and that's a healthy thing in terms of a business. So then you know, it's tough for family vacations and things. But on the other hand, you're all there. So it's it's got to be nice. You know, have a little birthday cake in the uh, break room and yep. <laughs> things like that. You know, be around for family. That's kind of nice. Uh-huh. When it comes to what you manufacture, though, is there anything that came along, whether past or even present, that you just thought, that's not for us in terms of barbells or anything else? I mean, you, you spoke 
early on, it was just the equipment. You, you were getting tired of hauling around all that equipment. So you, you went down the road of barbells. But there's different types of barbells. There's all kinds of specialty bars, camber bars, you name it. Is there any that you just thought, nah, that's not our that's not our thing? Yeah, we uh, we just got hit with a a bar that was designed down in Texas, and they looking for a manufacturer. Mm-hmm. We were the first ones they came to. I uh, I didn't see it uh, in what he thought, so we we declined on it. Uh, we have lots of people call us every day or try to set up a meeting just to bring um, their bars to our facility and see if it's something that uh, we would like to take on. But we always have to look into our dealers and what we know what our dealers like. And so we know if we're designing a new product, which dealer we can present that to and they're really going to push it. And mm. so there's just some bars in the space that we just can't. We know it's not going to go for us. It could for somebody else, but it's not going to be a seller for us. So there's a, you know, the business end of it that you're computing Mm -hmm. that maybe an inventor and innovator didn't quite think through in turn, or just didn't know in terms of the manufacturer of the barbell, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it doesn't mean we don't like it. We just, yeah, no, we can't push it. If we look at it and it's a bar that, Oh, we, we might make a hundred of these a year. It's it's not worth it to us. Mm -hmm. Uh, we it's numbers uh now gotcha you know 20 years ago 25 i probably jumped all over i don't have anything that anybody brings but we can be a little <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah so then what's that process like um is it basically like giving a pitch to you like if someone if you know i'm sitting around this weekend and i'm i'm looking at my barbells on my my barbell rack over here to my left. And I think, Oh man, I have a great idea. And this is what, this is the perfect barbell. You know, is it basically a a pitch process if someone contacts you? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. We, uh, um, he's no longer with us right now, but during the pandemic, uh, Jason Kalipa, you know, we, we started the shorty bar and uh, now rogue has it they signed him on. So gotcha. That's the way that went. But, we still make our shorty bar. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So gotcha. Anyway, but yeah, we'll, we'll look at, and that's a nice we'll bar. That's it. a home gym bar. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a uh, maneuverable, you yeah. know, in, in a small space. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing about solid bar fitness is that every one of us, well, if you call, we're going to answer and we're going to give you a chance. We want to hear you out. So in the home gym space, there's no shortage of innovative people coming up with things because we spend a lot of time in our gyms. We're training in here and we've got time to ourselves a lot of times too. You know, you're, you're on your own in a home gym a lot of times. So you, your mind wanders and you start thinking about like, oh, that's a good idea. So when it comes to hearing a pitch, if you will, or hearing an idea from someone, you know, how much of thinking through that on your end is the production in terms of supply and how much it's going to cost to make it versus the numbers, like you mentioned before, like a hundred bars just isn't going to do it for your company, you know, and maybe 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it would have, but now your company's at a point where you need to make X amount of bars for the type of, uh, you know, production runs you do? I'd say number one is the production. We got to look at it and say, 
hey, this thing's going to go. It's going to take some time, but it'll go. Uh, then the profitability of the product. Uh, and and it, if I see that I think it's a bar that will go, I, I can write, well, the Mars bar was the same way. I mean, we didn't start selling hundreds of them, you know, out the door. You know, we had to work up to it and do the marketing and get our name out there and that. But I seen the potential in that bar when he brought it in. And then after talking to Zach, I mean, man, what an honest guy, you know, you just, so I knew right then that he was going to put his heart and soul into that bar and do anything we asked when he goes to the shows or whatever he does. And uh, so that, that's a good example that uh, it's an expensive bar, but it's, it's a, like I said, it's a manufactured nightmare. And, uh, but it, you know, there's other bars out there that are more than that one. And I don't okay. think they're as good because this Mars bar fits like a backpack. And mm-hmm. so the wounded warriors that came back, you don't have to hold on to this thing. You can, you can just do your squats. And, and, and so it works good for uh, people who might have a handicap. Yeah, I tried kind of all configurations with it, if you would. Like, I first I held on, and then the squat rack you had there, I held on to the rack next. I was still a little nervous, and then finally I felt safe enough on a couple reps, and I just let go. <laughs> and I was like, hey, look at that. Yeah, it's not going to fall off. And I, you know, I think it's unique enough that 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 uh, kind of safety is there in terms of producing it. But I find it really intriguing, the... Uh, just the kind of gut instinct or the experience in your part to know that it's going to go to look at something and think, yeah, there's a space for this. Like I, we're going to, we're going to back this one. Um, so that's a, you know, that's an interesting aspect of it. Have you ever had something that just didn't go that you thought, man, this is going to be great. And then, you know, seven bars later, it's just not selling. Well, I think it was more that, you know, we brought on this bar here and it was so close and we just eliminated. But, you know, uh, there isn't much to a bar. Once you get one made and it's right, you know, now you're talking colors, Mm -hmm. silver, zinc, black, zinc, chrome, you know, uh, you're doing more changing with with, uh, colors and and yeah, appearance. That's that's a good point, and that has been a huge uptick in recent years in terms of all the options out there. I mean, just for aesthetic reasons, the different colors of bars with Cerakote being anything under the rainbow, and then also just the feel of it, and then the classic case of rust prevention, and you know, is this going to keep rust off of the bar? So, in all of those kind of uh, things in mind, in your personal opinion, what's, what's the best coating for a barbell? Well, I, I think it depends. You know, we send, uh, we send a lot of bars to California, which is understandably, you know, uh, uh, we put a, uh, weight room in or, uh, sent bars to a weight room that get put in, uh, in, in different parts of the country. And I think it, it's like, uh, does your facility, uh, have a weight room to work out in, but right next door, there's a swimming pool. That's, 
not a good combination. <laughs> no, so, you know, it's not going to work out over the years. <laughs> right. And uh, so the black zinc and, and that stuff uh, is it, still, uh, it's still a good product. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, we make bars that they're raw. Uh, people buy raw bars. They like them rusty. And uh, that's me. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I just so, like raw steel. It's a personal thing. I like the feel. I, I maybe it's just in my head at this point. I don't do. know. Yeah, <laughs> like it, just raw. Like yeah. the feel of it. I at this point, it's been enough years that I, you know, I just have kind of my routine down to like just clean it enough to let a patina develop, and you know, down the road, that nice brown patina is cool with me. But when it comes to other things, I mean, personally, I'm not a Cerakote guy, but I, I think it's uh, curious, the the advent of Cerakote. And, uh, you know, if I'm not mistaken, it was majorly used in the gun industry and in the weapons industry, yeah. and then it made it over into barbells and things. But then black zinc and uh, stainless steel, of course, a, a lot of people think that stainless steel can't rust. And there's plenty of people that you know, message me and they're like, I bought this stainless steel bar and look, it's turning orange. What should I do? And I'm yeah. like, well, it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. It's not, nothing is completely rust proof. Mm-hmm. So it, like you said, if you're next to a pool, what are you going to do? So, yeah. yeah. So now, no, I think Cerakote, uh, probably, uh, stainless steel is probably yeah. up there, but very expensive. And, yeah. uh, uh, then I think Cerakote would come right under that. Uh, and my listeners are going to comment on this. I'm, I'm always saying Cerakote instead of Cerakote. I had someone commenting the last time I was talking about it, and they spelled it out like a lady's name, Sarah. It's Sarah, yeah. Rob. <laughs> come on. It's not Sarah. Like, all right, I get it. Yeah. Well, if that's the biggest thing I mess up on this episode, I'll survive. <laughs> hey, if you're racks and your bar is metal to metal, they don't make a coating. Yeah, exactly. It's coming. It's coming off, and you're yeah. just going to smack them metal, metal to metal. But nowadays, uh, better quality racks, and even some of the cheaper ones, yeah. the cups are getting lined. And, yeah, my first mm-hmm. rack, I took uh, I took strips of this. Um, I think it was, <laughs> weirdly, it, it came with, like, some furniture. And it, you, were, you were supposed to put it on the back of your furniture so it wouldn't, like, hit your wall. And I had it sitting around in a garage. It was, like, these strips of felt, and I layered them up like five, six, seven, and threw it on my J cup so that my bar wouldn't be going metal to metal. That was my first uh, DIY in the home gym before I got a better rack, but you got to do what you got to do. Now you sell all kinds of other stuff too: Olympic plates and bumper plates and dumbbells, you know, rubber mats. So, and you've, you've spoken of schools and facilities. Where's the bulk of your business for solid bar? Is it producing barbells for others? Is it you know, f- facilities that you're installing in what's where's, where's the majority of business or is it spread pretty evenly? We're, we're throughout the United States, pretty solid. Uh, definitely be, be producing bars though for okay. all of our dealers would be the bulk of our business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just cause we'll do weight rooms and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but we try to keep that mostly in Kansas where we're at. Um, cause we have our dealers out there bidding the weight rooms. So. Gotcha. Plus it keeps it, you know, you can be more personable right there in your own state, mm-hmm. you know, 
like you were speaking to before with the texting and messaging and getting on the phone. I mean, you can see people and deal with your dealers. So then looking forward, you've got Joe, your wife, some cousins, the whole family's there practically, except for the farmers. <clears throat> They're doing their thing, but hey, everyone has their own path in life. What's looking forward for Solid Bar? Is there anything on the horizon? You mentioned like a, a tweak you're working on, a little kind of uh, update eventually down the pike with the padding of the Mars Bar, but anything else that you can speak to? I know sometimes your contracts and things, you can't really speak to them. It's, it's a little premature, but we do have a piece of equipment that we're uh, – uh, probably going to build and it's going to be more for the physical therapy, oh, okay. uh, nursing homes, uh, hospitals. Uh, it will also fit, uh, it, it will be in gyms, maybe not gyms, maybe high schools, but, uh, uh, it just keeps everything straight ah. while you're doing. And it's an up squat. And it will be at the home gym con. Yeah. Oh, it'll, cool. It'll be there. It'll be like, nobody else so mm -hmm. I, i'll look forward to that. seeing that yeah and yeah listeners if you haven't bought tickets yet for home gym con 2024 it is the last weekend in april 2024 and you can go to homegymcon.com to purchase your tickets i'll drop a link in the description to this episode and solid bar will be there and you were there the first time Home Gym Con occurred last year. You'll be there again. You can see the Mars Bar and the Mars Bar 2.0. You can see this new innovation they're talking about. That sounds interesting. So if I'm hearing correctly, uh, basically, like let's say I have stability issues or maybe some uh, spinal issues, things like that. This will keep me just completely in a straight up and down so I can work my uh, posterior mm -hmm. chain or work my legs. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And you'll be able to put resistance on it as well. Okay, so I can do a squat. Just only. 650 pounds. Mm -hmm. Wow. So I can do a squat, but I'm not going to jeopardize this, you know, the upright posture, basically. Interesting. I'll be curious to check that out. So then, as far as home gym con, what was your experience like last year? I mean, you're coming back, so I assume it was pretty good. And, I mean, you're on the Garage Gym Radio Network that's, you know, the same uh, – the owner of this, Jake, is the man who produces Home Gym Con, so I know you probably won't trash it, but I just mean, was there anything interesting that happened at Home Gym Con, or did you meet anyone that uh, stood out to you or see anything you enjoyed, anything like that? It was a really good show for us, and we really, really enjoyed it. Um, one thing I will say is that we never really get booths at shows. We just walk around and get a pass, and we go visit our dealers. So the Home Gym Con was kind of one of the first shows in a lot, a lot of, ever since I've been working here that we've actually gotten a booth at and um, set up our own equipment. But we, we just wanted to show off the Mars bar there, see, the get some feedback from them guys. And, and we've been, uh, Zach's been to the Arnold and uh, uh, I don't know, he goes to, he goes to them big boy shows. You know, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, right. So no, it, uh, uh, getting the feedback from everybody and uh it was it was different and we get out there because we don't you know uh we're not there at that show to sell we're yeah, there yeah. we use the product mm -hmm. and uh and pick up more dealers if we can yeah yeah so that's we're really excited for this year we've seen a lot more people get added to the list um it looks like it's oh, gonna yeah. be a really, really impressive show 
there's yeah it's the uh, event center sold out at this point mm-hmm. and then the kind of ballroom i guess i would call it upstairs that i did my live podcasts in and that i'll mm-hmm. be again doing this podcast live this coming year um there'll be some booths of there as well so there's going to be a lot of vendors there and you know i I don't know exact numbers, but just loosely based on the people that have been messaging me, hey, I'm coming this year. No, can't wait to see you at home Gym Con. I, I have a feeling there are a lot more people, ticket holders coming this year than last year as well. So I think it's just, mm-hmm. it's really going to grow. Um, but I think what makes it special is that resort, French Lick Resort in French Lick, Indiana, I had no clue about French Lick. I didn't know where it was. I was like, what are you talking about? Like French Lick, Indiana. I'm driving out in the middle of nowhere. And then the only thing I knew about it was the Larry Bird was born there. So that's, uh, that was about it. Yeah. But then, you know, the experience there, I think it was perfect. It was the right size. It was easy. So for a home gym owner to just walk around, walk right up to an owner of a company, walk right up to you guys and gals and, you know, just talk with them and learn about them. It was great. So it was a pleasure to meet you there. Thanks so much for hopping on the podcast tonight. I appreciate your time. I think it was so interesting hearing about the history of your company, the history of the Hex Trap Bar, the Snap Rings, your relationship with Zach Mars and development of the Mars Bar and 2.0. I look forward to seeing both of you at Home Gym Con in April. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks. Absolutely. Listeners, if you have questions for Solid Bar Fitness, drop them in the comments, and then I'll make sure I put their website as well in the description. So if you want to go check out their website, solidbarfitness.com, you can go directly through the link, or you can easy enough just go to solidbarfitness.com. Thanks so much for listening. This is Rob at Home Gym History. Take care.